Savine and Miss Lindsay Langston, the bulletin says. Uh, I just wonder if been fighting and a fussing that we need a little marriage counseling or something there. You know, when your husband does the bulletin and he puts in Langston, I'm just not quite sure. We need to have prayer, folks. Amen. We need to have prayer for these precious young people and particularly for Pastor Mark. Amen. And don't worry, preacher, I'll take you to lunch this week and that'll soak up some of the embarrassment. Eh? <laughs> oh, amen. Since I became your pastor in 2009, I've had to repent of and apologize for many things to God and to men. And that I wish I didn't have to, but I've got this old flesh hanging off me, and I'm not asking for a special dispensation, but I'm human just like you are, amen. amen. But there's one thing that I have never had to apologize for, and I will never have to apologize for. And that is trying to make sure that our church as a whole and our church as individuals care about the eternal souls of men and women. Amen. I'll never have to apologize for that. Like Brother Case says, across the street and across the sea. One of the ways in which we seek to stir the embers of divine compassion which reside in every born-again believer is by setting aside one week, Sunday to Sunday, with Saturday off in between. With Saturday off in between. I know laundry piles up and the lawn's getting about this high too. I know. But setting aside one week where we focus on worldwide missions. In 2010, I, as, as a pastor, held my first missions conference here at Loomis Park Baptist Church. And some of you may remember, some of you may not, that our theme was keeping the home fires burning. And our, pa our, our guest speaker was Pastor Marty Schott. I love Brother Schott. I want to try to have him back for Father's Day next year. But it was the focus was on the local church. You know, if the local church goes under, missionaries go unfunded. And unsupported. Amen. So it's so important. By the way, let me let me give a sidebar on that. When you're tempted to give somebody a piece of your mind, remember, keep the home fires burning. Amen. What I mean by that is endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Why? Because the task and the job is bigger than you giving that person a piece of your mind. Hmm? You can just bite your tongue. If you need to bite it off, we'll take you to the hospital and get it sewn back together. Amen. Then our second year, we were so privileged to have one of my heroes of the faith, Pastor Tom Crichton. Pastor Tom Crichton pastored in Johnston, Rhode Island for over 40 years. And our theme that year was looking for laborers. Out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, where Jesus says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. And by the way, if Jesus was looking for laborers 2,000 years ago, we're still looking for them today. Amen. Our third missions conference was out of 2 Corinthians 8, 8, and where it says there, this I've done to prove your love. And it was proving our love. And we had my pastor, Eric Tharp, was with us. 2014, our theme was for his sake. For his sake. 
And Pastor Russ Tharp from Bible Baptist in Central Lake was with us. And I remember God blessing that. And then I think perhaps the best conference that we've had thus far, and I like to say each year they're better and better, but certainly the most memorable in my mind was in 2015 when we had Dr. Richard Vick with us. And our theme was our obedience equals God's obligation. And it was about the widow at Zarephath and how she obeyed God. And when she put God first and when she obeyed God, the cruise of oil and the barrel of meal wasted not. Amen. And I remember Dr. Vic, we didn't know it at the time when I booked him. And I didn't know it at the time when he arrived. But Dr. Vic was suffering from early stage dementia. And it's amazing how God works that out, ladies and gentlemen. Because I can tell you this, Brother Becker, if I would have known that six months in advance, I probably would have canceled and just said, that's okay, we understand. But God allowed him to come. And of all the missions conferences we've had, the theme I remember the most is what Dr. Vic kept saying. God loves people. That's missions. <laughs> that's missions. And I remember that in 2015, and then last year we were so blessed to have Brother Steve Williamson with us, Pastor Steve Williamson, and our theme was, what are they among so many when the lad brought the loaves and the fishes? And you may think about this, your dollars, your few dollars, what are they among so many? And I've said it before and I'll say it again, in your hands they're nothing. In the hands of the Master, He can reach the multitudes with them. And this year... Our theme, <clears throat> go reach the world. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And Lord willing, Pastor Tim Rader will be with us tomorrow, arriving in the afternoon and be with us all week. Brother Kelly, one time in a deacon's meeting, said that an older deacon named Leon Clark from this church said, as missions goes, so goes the church. Can I tell you something? I agree with that statement 100%. And in the last two years, I have seen it in our church. I have seen how God has blessed our church financially with new people. Seeing people saved, baptized, all that. And I can tell you in the last two years, we've increased our missionaries by 17. Those two are not unconnected. As missions go, so goes the church. As we care about what God cares about, God cares about blessing us. Amen? Amen. So, thinking about this week, and I, I know, and please, please, I know some of you will have work commitments. Some of you have to get up at 3 a.m. to get to work. I understand that, and I do with all my heart. And if you cannot make it, I understand. But I will say this. The bulk of us here this morning can make it out this week. You still love your pastor? Then come on Monday night and prove it. Tuesday night. Wednesday night. Really love is Thursday night. Extreme love is Friday night. Hallelujah. Listen. That's not just, I'm, of course, joking about that. About I know you love your pastor. But our attendance and our giving 
shows what's important to us. It shows our level of obedience. It shows where our heart is. And this week is not just about getting dollars and cents. It's about getting our hearts in tune with the heart of God. The message today, it's a very strange missions conference message. I remember when we did, I forgot to mention it, 2012, when we had Brother Dan Sousa and we did so much the more. I, I remember I was ready to preach on Brother Leonard, so much the more. Uh, Hebrews 11.25 or 10.25, so much the more. And the day before, God changed my message. I have to tell you, there are times I don't appreciate very much when God does that, Pastor Mark. Amen. The whole theme of the missions conference is ruined now. No. No. God changed my message. I still remember it. I got it in red pen on one of those awful orange cards that I preach from. It's called God's Roofing Crew. And we talked about the, the man born of four and how they broke up the roof and dropped him down. And I talked about that's what missions is all about, just working together, trying to get the gospel to people. This message is kind of one of those strange messages. If you look at Matthew chapter 8, and we'll just give you the context here, and then we'll get into Matthew chapter 14 for the bulk of the body of the message. But uh, the context here, uh, and I guess another, another title for this message, I had the great struggle, or I thought about two terrible tempests, amen, and then t t t t But then if you look at Matthew chapter 8, we see, first of all, the ship in verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, the disciples followed him. And then we see in verse 24, what happened after they entered into the ship? There was a storm. It says, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. And then we see not only the, the ship and the storm, but we see the sleep. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ in this massive storm, and he is just sleeping. This is the only account in the scriptures, if the parallel account is in Luke, where we find the master asleep. And can we say this, and obviously we celebrated his uh, divinity last week when up from the grave he arose. But I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. Why did he sleep? Because he was tired. Because he was tired. He had the same flesh that we have. So we see the, the ship and the storm and the sleep. In verse 25, we see the scream. It says, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. I always think of that song, Master, the Tempest is Ready. That's one of my favorite songs. I love that song. We don't sing that enough, amen. But just that no ocean can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They came to him and said, we're going to die. And then Jesus asks a searching question. The ship, the storm, the sleep, the scream, the searching question. It's really the kind of the text of our text today. And he, and he saith unto them, why are ye what, church? O ye of little faith. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And then we see the stop in verse 26, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And we see the stillness. There was a great calm. And we see the surprise in verse 27. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? 
Verse 26. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? This week as we start our missions conference, I I preached in, in Sunday school that missions giving is to be done by faith. The title of our message today is called The Great Struggle. When I think about the great struggle, uh, some things come to mind. I think about in our own country, we had a great struggle from 1861 to 1865. We know it as the war between the states or the Civil War when literally brother took took up arms against brother. When I think about the great struggle, I think of FDR and his fireside chats. And saying that this this struggle between uh, Nazism and Shintoism is literally the great struggle for humanity around the world. And certainly that's a great struggle. When I think of what I would call not the great struggle, but the ultimate struggle, I think of the struggle between God and Satan. The struggle for the souls of men. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, that God has made a way for everyone to be saved. But the devil is in the business of blinding everyone from being saved. That's the the ultimate struggle. But for, for those of us who know Christ, what is the great struggle of life? What is the thing that we struggle most with in life? I'm going to tell you what it is today. I believe this, this encapsulates the whole struggle. It's this. Faith versus fear. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little That question answers itself. You could turn it around into a statement. Ye are fearful because you have little We go into missions conference and we look at our our promise cards and, and, and the devil attempts to fill us with fear. You can't do that. I'll never forget... Uh, I think it's been five years, uh, Brother Isaac White and I were in uh, uh, prison playing softball with uh, Brother Brian Heath in the Rock of Ages, and we were on a bus coming home, and we were just fellowshipping one with another, and I asked him, Brother Tim, I said, Brother Isaac, how's your business doing? It was the time when things were slow for a lot of folks, <clears throat> construction-wise. And Brother Mark, he said, I've got more business than I know what to do with. And I was like, well, praise God, man. Tell me about it. And he said, it's because of missions. And now I'm, you know, even though I'm a pastor, it's still, I said, you have more business because of missions? Are you building missionary houses or what are you doing? Amen. Renovating missionary houses? He said, no. He said, God laid a figure on my heart for missions that I could not do. He said, I had no idea. He said, I prayed about it and God led me. And I filled out that card. He said, I swallowed hard, gulped, and put it in the offering plate. Anybody else ever do that before? Amen. (laughs) And he said, and God has provided. God has provided. A lot of people never get past the fear of the number that God lays on their heart. And I'm not saying, listen, 
I'm not saying God's going to lay a massive number on your heart. Don't get me wrong. I, I've, I've heard, you've heard him and I've heard him. The preacher that says, uh, you know, give your house payment and God will give it back. You know, God gave you the money to make your house payment. Make your house payment. Amen. But the great struggle in the Christian life is which is going to dominate, fear or faith? Fear or faith? That's the great struggle. I want to give you some points. Go over to Matthew 14, and uh, we'll look at some, some things to get, get into the, this part of the text, too. But let me give you, I've got just a simple outline today. Uh, let me give you, number one, the causes of fear. Some causes of fear. Uh, number one, the core. The core cause of fear is that we have a sin nature. That our Grand, 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 grandparents, Adam and Eve, were tempted to take of what God said they weren't supposed to have. Huh? They took of that fruit in Genesis chapter 3, and they ate it, and right away they were naked and they were afraid. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have a sin nature. That, Brother Becker, that beautiful sweet, chunky little grandbaby of yours that was up here. I mean, she had rolls on her legs. I'm telling you, that was awesome. Reminded me of Carly, Brother Gilbert, amen. Glory to God, Carly had more rolls than a Cinnabon. Hallelujah, amen. Just foals inside of foals. That sweet little angel was born with a sin nature. In sin did my mother conceive me, David said in Psalm 51.5. Wherefore as by sin, or wherefore as by one man's sin entered into the world, so death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The core of fear is that you and I have a sin nature. Because of sin, there is fear. You know there'll be no fear in heaven. Glory. Glory. So the core cause is a sin nature. The, another cause is because of the corrupter. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, but there is a spirit of fear. Isn't there? There's, there's a, a devilish spirit of fear, and it's from Satan himself, the corrupter. He is the one that inspires fear. He's the one that wants fear to eat up faith. Amen. So there's a corrupter. There's a core. You know, sometimes what causes us to fear is circumstances. Look at uh, Matthew 14, verse 30. What does it say here? Here's Peter. How fearless was Peter, Brother Eddie? He was walking on water. Took more steps than any other human being ever did. Doesn't, doesn't seem like a fearful person to me. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was what? Listen, I'm, I'm talking to some of the best people I know. Sometimes circumstances come along and we get afraid. I mean it. I'm talking to people I know have great faith. People in this room have way bigger faith than I do. And yet we think, well, what am I going to do? What if this happens? What if that happens? What, what? And we start to fear, don't we? I think about 2009, just about when I came here, 
There was a huge crash in the stock market. Huge crash. People that had money set aside and, and, and it, it, overnight it went from dollars to pennies. What am I going to do? Circumstance. Can't they cause us to fear? Circumstances come into our lives. Not only the core and the corrupter, the circumstances, but you know something else? The conscience can cause us to fear. We would call it a guilty conscience. Remember the story of Joseph and his brothers? You remember how they sold Joseph and they mistreated him and, and, and uh, he was sold to Potiphar and he, he, the Lord blessed his life and everything that he did and he ended up in second in command in Egypt and his brothers came down for the famine and he realized it and remember Joseph worked it all out and in Genesis chapter 45 he can't restrain himself anymore and he has, says have all men out for me and it's just him and his brothers and he says it's me I'm Joseph does my father yet live and they stood there and went and they were afraid hey listen second in command in Egypt forgive me he could have pulled your arms and legs off and not even cared they were afraid. Why? Because they knew what they had done. Can I tell you this? That's why you ought to keep a short account with God. God knows what you did anyway. You know what you did. Get it right with God. Amen. Conscience can cause us to fear. Circumstances can cause us to fear. The corrupter can cause us to fear. The core of that fear is our sin nature. But you know what else? The carnal. The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth. Proverbs 28.1 says... That carnal, that, that sinner, the sinner's reward. But the, the causes of fear. Let me give you some consequences of fear. Not only the causes of fear, but let me give you some consequences of fear. Just if you look at the text real quick, uh, consequences of fear was, uh, first of all, it caused the, the 11 to stay in the boat. Hey, only one got out. We, we like to... You know, maybe pick on old Peter in a message or two, but listen, last time I checked, the other 11 were in the boat, still scared from the storm. Not only did it cause him to stay in the boat, but it caused Peter to sink in the water. That was a consequence of fear, didn't he? He sunk right down. And it caused him to shout in need, Lord, save me! By the way, that's a good salvation prayer. It worked for me. I've said it before, it wasn't... O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thou that flungest the worlds by thy word. And you have to actually say by thy word when you pray. You pray in King James, amen. <laughs> I, I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please save me. And he did. But can I say some things about some, some consequences of fear? One of the first consequences of fear is separation. Adam and Eve went, and what did they do right away? They hid themselves they hid themselves from God you know I think of another consequence of fear is not only separation but sin is a consequence of fear you say what do you mean pastor sin remember the story of King Saul and how the God had told him to, to get rid of the Amalekites and remember what he did because he feared the people he kept back part 
And Samuel called him on it, 1 Samuel 15, 24. It, it, fear literally caused him to sin. The fear of man bringeth a snare, Proverbs 25, 29, 25 says. So some consequences of fear are, are separation, sin, a snare, and silence. Remember the story in the Gospel of John, how uh, it said that no man spake of him openly for fear of the Jews. They feared, Pastor Mark, being kicked out of the synagogue. They feared being, being separated from Jewish culture. Matter of fact, we know two of the Pharisees, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, both came to him by night because of fear. Why don't you witness to your coworker? Listen, I'm not, I'm not belittling you. I'm coming back to me. I remember times. Why didn't I witness to that coworker? I was afraid. I was afraid. I have to take that to the judgment seat of Christ. I was afraid. Afraid of what they think. Afraid I might lose my job. Afraid fill in the blank. Fear. It can cause us to be silent. We're not supposed to be silent, are we? We've got a story to tell to the nations. Amen. Amen. We're supposed to go and reach the world. Amen. Fear. Causes of fear. Consequences of fear. Separation, sin, snare, silence. Let me give you the conflict of fear and faith. The conflict of fear and faith. Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Matthew 8, 26. It is a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Amen? We Listen, our warfare is not a fleshly warfare. Okay? Against spiritual principalities and powers we war. It's a war between the flesh that always wants to do whatever it wants to do and the spirit that wants to obey God. This conflict... Between the flesh and the spirit. It's a conflict between doubting God and trusting God. One of the things that we, we had the sign-up sheet, and if you did not sign up for that King James Sunday School class, make sure you get signed up. And I appreciate this so much, Brother Tom, and I mean it from all my heart. When we do that class, when you get done with that class, you will be convinced that you can trust God's word. 235 new versions you're talking about on pace for this and that, and they take out this and take out that and modify this and modify that. No thank you. Amen. We don't have that authority. God has that authority vested in himself. Amen. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The conflict between fear and faith, the great struggle is between doubting God or trusting God. Listen, especially, especially right here. You know, this little card is about actual human beings all over the world. This little card that you're looking at, you've been looking at now for a week, you had it in your Bible, and maybe you've been praying, or maybe you haven't, maybe it's just been stuck in your Bible. This little card is about doubting God or trusting God. Not only is the conflict about the flesh and the spirit about doubting God and trusting God, 
The conflict is about seeing or believing. Anybody, have, anybody ever had somebody say that to you? If I could just see, I'd believe. We know it's the opposite. Believe and you'll see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. It's about believing God versus seeing. Let me give you the causes, the consequences, the conflict. Let me give you the cures for fear. The cures for fear. Simple, four applications. Fear God and your fears will lessen. Fear God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? Proverbs 1.7. Fear of God, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When God told Noah what to do, the Bible says this, by faith Noah moved with fear. You know what, if we fear God like we should, we'll not fear to talk to man. Hmm? The Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which can kill the body, but can do no more. But fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. You know who that is? God. We are to fear. If we fear God like we should. I, I heard somebody say it like this. I think it was my friend Darren Tharp. He said, fear God and you'll fear nothing else. If you fear God. Fear disappointing God. Fear displeasing God. Amen. Fear God and your other fears will lessen. Secondly, how to cure this fear. Feed your faith, not your flesh. Now listen, I'm not talking about not enjoying a meal, okay? You have your pastor's permission to go out today and enjoy a meal, if you would like to. And Brother Downing's buying, so you'll see him. <laughs> Mrs. Downing didn't know that. She just passed out, amen? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what you watch on television. Is it just cussing and murder and fornication and all that? You're feeding your flesh. Your flesh loves that stuff. How do you know? Because my flesh loves that stuff. Hmm? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My flesh doesn't like preaching, Brother Case. Still doesn't. Still hates it. My flesh doesn't like gathering with the people of God and praying. and do. My flesh doesn't like any of that. So you know what I need to do? I need to stop feeding my flesh with all the world's garbage and feed my faith. Have devotion time every day with God. Have, have, have time with God's people. Have a week consecrated to get a view for what's important to God. Amen. Feed your faith, not your flesh. That'll cure fear. You know why fear, your fear is always beating your faith? Because you feed your flesh all the time, and you feed your faith just a little. And so you got this big old mean dog over here that's fear and the flesh, and you got this little tiny dog that's faith. Which one do you think is going to win? The big one. The one you feed is going to win. 
The one you feed is going to win. Let me say that again. The one you feed is going to win. Number three. I like this one. Fear God and your fears will lessen. Feed your faith, not your flesh. Faith. Trusting God more than your fears. Trust God more than your fears. Many of you know I'm a student of World War II, military. And I think about men, not just World War II, but World War I. I think about Korea. I think about Vietnam. bore a book on Korea right now called The Coldest Winter. And just incredible what our men in uniform did. And if you talk to those men, if you talk to men that served in where, where the bullets were flying, they will tell you that they were afraid. They will tell you they're afraid. But they did their duty in spite of the fear. Faith, especially in regards to what we're talking about this week, faith is just trusting God more than that fear. Just trusting him. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith. Just trust him more than your fear. Hmm? I don't know how I can do $25. I don't know how I can do that. If God lays $25 on your heart, trust him more than your fear. And all God's people said. Let me give you the last point. Cure, conflict, consequences, causes. Fear God and your fears will lessen. Feed your faith, not your flesh. Faith, trust God more than your fears. I love this. Forge trust in God by proving him. You say, what does that mean, pastor? That phrase, prove me, is taking out of what we would call the tithing verse out of Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And he says this, and prove me. And see if I will not pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You folks know me. Praise God, I'm no Joel Olstein. Hallelujah for that. If I did, I'd live in a more expensive house. I could tell you that right now, amen. And I'd have a lot more to give an account for it. Probably the great white throne, I'm thinking, as opposed to the judgment seat for you Bible scholars. Amen. Uh, I, and I'm no health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preacher. I don't, I don't believe that. But I believe God keeps his word. And I will tell you this. You will forge your faith. You know what forging does to metal? Brother, brother well, I know you know. It strengthens it. it strengthens it. You put it in the heat treat and you, you, you temper it and you, 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 it, it strengthens what's there. I'm going to tell you what will strengthen your faith is proving God. When you could say after 20 years of giving to missions, praise God, he's never let me down one time. I'm ready for the next 20. God moved in your heart to give. I can't tell you the amount of Christians that have told me God moved in my heart to give this person $10 and two days later somebody gave me $20. can't tell you the amount of times that happened. And by the way, whether that ever happens or not, God will keep his word. Forge 
Listen, forge your faith by proving God. God, listen, forgive me for saying this, and I hope you'll understand it, but God loves to show off. If you don't think so, check out the sunset later. God, listen, God is God. He's the creator of it all. He's the great provider. He'd love to show off on your behalf, and you could say, you know what? I had this tiny faith, and God came through. It's a great struggle, isn't it? Fear and faith. You know what we need to do? Start starving this one. Let this one weaken. And you know what will happen? This one will. But it's, you know what I've learned? It's a lifetime struggle. Just the, just the time you think you got this one fed, you shoot your mouth off about something. And then this one raises up. It's a great struggle. So what do we do? What, what, what can we do, Pastor? Listen. Fear God, and your fears will lessen. Feed your faith, not your flesh. Faith, trust God more than your fears, and forge trust in God by proving him. This is going to be a great week. I am already looking forward to this time a week from now. If the Lord doesn't come back, which is fine by me if he does. I'll get somebody to wrap things up around here. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. I always joke with Pastor Donald about it. So you wrap things up if the rapture happens. No, that's not true. Amen? But I look forward to when we cast our, we cast our, our faith. We cast our faith. We put our faith in the globe here next Sunday. What we think of God. How much we trust God. I look forward to that. You know what? You know what happens? A lot of people that day get victory in the great struggle between fear and faith. They say, all right, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to trust you. I'm telling you, that's a victory. That's a victory, amen. And it is a great struggle. May God give us faith this week. Father, we love you.